welcome to Why Did I Like It? Of course, I'm your host, the Nefarious Mike A. Sims. And today we're looking at Spider-Man, the animated series, as in why did I like Spider-Man, the animated series? Now, the series debuted on November 19th, 1994 on Fox Kids, and it ran until January 31st, 1998, totaling five seasons or 65 episodes, which is crazy because it seemed like a lot longer and a lot more content was created for the series. The series ran alongside Fox's X-Men animated series, which itself debuted in 1992, two years prior to the series. That series, however, was produced by Saban, whereas Marvel Films Animation produced this one. The head showrunner was a man by the name of John Semper Jr., who, in lieu of um, getting a bunch of different like uh, animation styles or whatever have you, opted to instead have Fox invest in buying him a bunch of Spider-Man comics, and he used this as the basis for the actual show itself. The show initially was going to have like fully CGI backgrounds, but that was deemed too expensive. So there was just certain shots where they would have the CGI buildings and things like that as Spider-Man was swinging through New York City and Brooklyn and parts of the five boroughs. I do remember very distinctly being impressed as a kid because I was like, wow, the background looks so dope, but not knowing why. And it wasn't until way, way later on with, not even way later on, it was like a year later with uh, Toy Story, which was 1995, that I realized what CGI was. And that's why the Spider-Man backgrounds look different. The animation itself was done by TMS Kyokuchi Corporation uh, with Coco Enterprises Limited and Anima Samwan doing additional work. So, of course, typical of the 1990s animation uh, products or shows, we don't, whatever you call them, they were done by, you know, foreign <laughs> animators. The show was also notorious for its, its a level of censorship, uh, which was, uh, I mean, it meant that they had, they weren't really supposed to show punching throwing through glass, children in danger, uh, vampires, which is hilarious because they had Morbius, whose whole thing is that he's a living vampire, and Blade, who's a vampire hunter on the show. But they changed it where Morbius, and this is just, I remember this very distinctly, Morbius was hunting for plasma. So instead of biting somebody, he would just grab their arms and basically take the, the plasma out of their body. Now, I didn't know that plasma was similar to blood when I was a kid. I thought it was plasma because I heard of plasma rifles from Star Trek. So I thought they were like, it was like lasers in your skin. There was a lot of confusion among Young Mike, I mean, in Young Mike, based on this whole show. Amazingly enough, though, I remember Spider-Man the Animated Series being very lighthearted with Spider-Man being kind of jokey at times, especially when he was fighting his villains gallery, which is crazy because the staff consisted of writers from Batman the Animated Series, which was a notoriously dark show for the 90s. And it was, uh, you know, Bryn Stevens, Marv Wolfman, Gary Conway, and Lynn Wayne, who were writers on Batman the Animated Series, were also writers on Spider-Man the Animated Series. The show, as I said, went until 1998. Its quote-unquote cancellation wasn't as much of a, a product of, of you know, low ratings or anything like that. It was that Marvel, I mean, Fox had commissioned 65 episodes from Marvel. Marvel did 65 episodes. And then the uh, production company that actually paid for a certain half of the cost for the episodes, uh, New World, went out of business. So Fox not really seeing the need to go further. Even the showrunner, John Semper Jr., not really seeing the need to go further. It kind of just, the show just kind of ran its course. But in between, my goodness, was this show amazing. It's actually funny that the reason why I'm even doing this episode is because uh, I got a message from the overlord who was going through his box of toys in his parents' basement. And he was sending me pictures of toys from Spider-Man, the animated series. And I like it just it jolted something in me because of how much I love this show growing up as a kid. Like it was a Saturday morning cartoon that I 
was up there with Batman and Superman to me. It was like I I had to watch Spider-Man the animated series. And it was even better because it was serialized just like the X-Men animated series. And that meant that there was there was continuation stories. There'd be three parters, two parters, four parters. I mean, they even as a matter of fact, before hold on. Okay. Oh, well. It's about check the clocks, everybody, because it's about that time. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? It's rant time. So this whole thing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where there's crossovers between the Avengers, you know, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Hawkeye, Black Widow, all that. This was a big deal in 2012 when they culminated in that uh, in the Avengers movie because they had their own individual projects first. Captain America, the first Avenger, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor and all, so on and so forth. So that was seen as a big deal. DC itself tried to do the same exact thing with Batman being in Batman versus Superman. Then they had Man of Steel. They had Wonder Woman and they tried to do Justice League. Of course, that was terrible. Even Universal tried it with their monsters. They had Dracula Untold and they had the mummy with Tom Cruise. They were going to do the Invisible Woman and the Invisible Man, all these different things. So everyone was trying to do crossovers that culminated in one thing. Nah, 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 nah. X-Men, the animated series and Spider-Man, the animated series did it first. They had two episodes together. It was, let me make sure I get this correct. Neogenic Nightmare chapter four and chapter five. And they had the crossover episode that not only consisted of one or two characters, the entire cast of the X-Men animated series guest starred on these episodes. And it was fantastic. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Rant over. Um, Anyway, so... The show also had, in addition to crossovers with the X-Men, they also had crossovers with, and I remember this very distinctly, I even wrote it down, with The Punisher, as I said before, Blade, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, Iron Man, Captain America, and the Fantastic Four. That meant that Spider-Man was out here just collecting cameos right and left. Like, you want to be on my show? Come on, come on, let's do this, come on. And it actually, I remember as a kid, they would promote it, you know, you see a commercial this week on The Amazing Spider-Man, or I keep saying The Amazing Spider-Man, this week on Spider-Man, the animated, or this week on Spider-Man, or whatever they'd say, they'd show like the Fantastic Four, like, oh, I'm Reed Richards, and da 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 And it was, it, w- it would get you hyped, because you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to see the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man do stuff together. And it's funny, because as somebody who loved Spider-Man as an animated and as a, a, a movie character, his comics, I'm not, I'm familiar with them, because I know like the, the stalwarts, you know. The Clone Saga, uh, uh, Maximum Carnage, the Venom story, the Black Suit, all that kind of stuff. So I know that the the pinnacle ones, or like you know the legendary ones, but I was never really too enamored by the rest of Spider Man's story, mainly because it kind of seemed very one note to me. Like you, it, you know the backstory. It's okay. His uncle was murked. Before his uncle was murked, his uncle was like, "Hey Peter, just so you know, if you get any power, there's a lot of responsibility." And Peter's like, "Yeah, whatever." Then he goes and he tries to do something reckless, like become, like get money with his newfound powers after he's bit by a spider. A robber comes by. He lets the robber go. He doesn't catch him because it's not his problem. That robber murks his uncle. And Peter's like, oh, no, this was all my fault. I mean, realistically, it, it's not. It's the same as Batman saying as a child, he should have stopped a full grown man with a gun from killing his parents. But I digress. So I was never really a fan because after that, it wasn't really much. There wasn't really much to the character. He would just kind of go to school and they'd be like, Peter, you're messing up. You're messing up. And he'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do my best. And they'd be like, all right, Peter. Then some villain would be like, Peter Parker or Spider-Man or whatever. And then he'd fight the villain and that would kind of be it. And I was never really, there's not much to it there. But I feel like because this cartoon was able to kind of mash the best stories together, because you had the Venom symbiote storyline, which was awesome, where the alien comes from space and it 
you know, grafts itself onto Peter Parker. So he starts acting a little more aggressive and a little bit more intense. Then you had the, the Maximum Carnage storyline. You had Dr. Octopus. You had Doc Connors, who was actually a teacher at Peter's college. Because in this cartoon, Peter Parker goes to Empire State University, which I love when they can't use something like NYU, which is a real college. So they just change it to like another thing that's in the borough. And like, oh, it's Empire State University. It's fine. So Doc Connors becoming the lizard was a cool storyline. I mean, you had Electro, you had, I think Dave the Chameleon ended up winning an Emmy for Outstanding Writing um, as well. So this was able to just push all the storylines together and kind of streamline the best parts of it. And because of that, you were hit with like a continuing saga. Even, oh gosh, how could I forget to mention Harry Osborn and the whole Green Goblin thing with his father, Norman Osborn. That was fantastic. They did it true justice in this show. And I feel like it hasn't really been done well Outside of this, even the Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, they kind of just, they did the Green Goblin with um, Willem Dafoe and then James Franco was supposed to become the Green Goblin, but then they be, they made him like the Night Surfer, which I don't know what that was in Spider-Man 3. And they kind of just dropped the ball with that. And then the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, they never made the father the Green Goblin. He just had a goblin disease and then the son became Green Goblin. So this one actually did it well where the father was, was he Green Goblin first? Yeah, I believe the father was Green Goblin first and then Harry took up the mantle. Yes, yes, because I remember uh, Norman Osborn like going crazy and doing that laugh as a kid. But also, Peter Parker in this show was not the nerdy Peter Parker that we know. I mean, he was. He, no, he wasn't a nerd. He was just a good student, which is funny in the 90s where like if you cared about school, and I've said this before in multiple podcasts, if you cared about school, then you were just lame. So Peter Parker, even though he's good looking, I don't think he, no, he didn't even wear glasses in this, in this cartoon. He was like a cool guy. And he actually got girls because I remember Felicia Hardy, aka the black cat, was obsessed with Peter and she would eventually leave him for Michael Morbius, the vampire. But he, he was between Felicia Hardy and Mary Jane Watson. So he was going back and forth. So Peter Parker was getting girls back then. I mean, he, <laughs> no glasses getting girls. He just, I mean, I feel like he's a catch. You know what I mean? I feel like he was, he was Iron Man without the arrogance. And um, there was also Flash Thompson, of course, because there's always going to be that bully dude, but it was hilarious that it was uh, a thing. And I also liked that a lot of his villains in the cartoon or just the Spider-Man lore in general were like animal based. Like you had the scorpion, you had rhino. I mean, you had, well, Craven the hunter was actually, he just wore a lion's mane. They should have had Mantar as one of the villains. I don't, they could have just licensed him from WWE or I mean, and just had Mantor show up one day. Like it could have been a villain of the week situation. I don't care if it's a, even the intro of an episode, just have Mantar show up. I would have been elated as a child. Mantor. Rest in peace, big homie. I got to say, though, uh, the whole series, you know, with the crossovers and everything was amazing. It was, it, was, it was awesome. It was always very action packed, even without the fact that he couldn't throw punches and everything, which I believe that made it more creative because I remember Spider-Man would have to think of these innovative ways to defeat his villains like Electro and like I said before, Dr. Octopus and everything like that. So it, it gave it a more creative ceiling if that makes sense. It's like, because if you can't go past here, you have to figure out ways to make it interesting down here. Oh, I'm, it's a podcast. So I, so if you can't go past a certain level, you have to make the level you're at more interesting. You know what I mean? It's kind of a use your own imagination situation. And I feel like the writers were able to parlay that into really interesting stories. So also what's, what's great about this show was that season five introduced a concept that would, to this day, become something that's a stalwart of Spider-Man in general. And that was like the Spider-Verse the season five episode, Spider Wars, was it was centered around the fact that Spider-Man had to join up with different spider people from different 
parallel worlds to take on a threat. Uh, they were brought together by Madam Web, who is the person who's in charge of, I guess, the, the different dimensions containing spider people. And Madam Web brings these different spider people together. And there's one in particular who stands out. He was, he wore, because you had Ben Riley, who was from a different world, whatever, that's, you know, whatever. Um, but there was an armored Spider-Man. And it was, imagine if, again, Iron Man, but like the cocky Iron Man was Spider-Man because in that dimension, Uncle Ben didn't die. So he didn't get that speech about power and responsibility. He just used his powers, got rich, built himself a robot and built himself an armored suit. And he was like the most arrogant one, of course, because in his mind, he never had to face any real... No, he didn't really... Not even in his mind. In reality, he didn't have to face adversity. So this Spider-Man was just... He was who he was. And that was it. There was no compromising. There was no reason to change. There was no reason to grow. And our Peter Parker was very taken aback and kind of put off by him. Oh, you know what? It's time for a new segment I call The More You Know. We'll get back to that in a second. The More You Know. The voice of Peter Parker was Christopher Daniel Barnes. Christopher Daniel Barnes also played Greg Brady in the remake of The Brady Bunch. The More You Know. Overlord, put some music in between those. Like, da 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 also, another The More You Know. Ed Asner, who played J. Jonah Jameson, also played the Santa Claus in the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. The More You Know. All right, so <laughs> now that we got that out of the way. But the crossover, which also served as like the end of the series or the series finale, was amazing because it gave Peter a look into who he could have been, as I said before, without that actual speech. So it was very interesting to see that they went down that road to, as it was like wrapping up the series, to be like, well, you know, I guess the path that he's on, even though it is filled with adversity and he had, he's had, uh, you know, tragedy with his uncle and everything. And even at this point in the series, he had lost Mary Jane because there was a whole situation where Mary Jane was replaced by a double that was made by my personal favorite villain of this entire series, Hydro Man, which I still have the toy of Hydro Man. He had replaced... Mary Jane with like a water clone and she like dissolved or something. It was very weird. So even though Peter had lost the real Mary Jane, who was out there somewhere in the universe and had lost Uncle Ben, he realized that it's better to live this life than it was to end up without any of those things who made him who he was. I also like speaking of Mary Jane and, you know, the female characters, they made the characters in this show very strong. Like Felicia Hardy in the comics she was very she was kind of like wishy washy. Mary Jane, same thing. Mary Jane was like either a girlfriend or she was like housewife or she was like a socialite they never really gave her like a concrete personality but in this one she was a drama student who had her own mind and her own agency same thing with felicia hardy because felicia hardy would eventually go on to be the superhero slash supervillain black cat and it's imagine catwoman except with white hair literally it's the same exact thing you don't know who catwoman is imagine wonder woman wearing a cat suit you don't know who wonder woman is imagine <laughs> imagine angelina jolie with superpowers there you go or Zendaya with superpowers. But just imagine Zendaya and just make that your whole thing. But yeah, so the women in this, this series were drawn very strong. And I think that was a testament of the overall time because Storm in the X-Men series was also very strong. Catwoman in the Batman animated series was also very strong. Lois Lane in the Superman series was very strong. You didn't really have a lot of weak female characters in these animated shows because I remember a lot of them wouldn't just be simple damsels in distress. There's even Red Claw for the Batman in the animated series. I think that was her name who basically were able to go toe-to-toe with a lot of these male characters. Uh, I know in Spider-Man that was specifically by design by John Semper Jr., the showrunner, he, he wanted to depict Mary Jane as someone who was Peter's equal. Yes, he has superpowers, but he's still falling short all the time. So she doesn't need him 
in her life in any capacity. She could just, you know, do her own thing. And so he had to basically curry favor with her, if that makes sense. But we're running a little bit long, actually. It's longer than the usual episode. Let me put a button on it. Why did I like Spider-Man the Animated Series? Oh, my goodness. I mean, just listen back to this podcast. I still watch it to this day. I'm about to go watch it again, honestly. I'm so glad that the Overlord sent me that picture of his toys, which I asked him to use for this podcast. And he did not let me use He's like that kid where like you go to his house to play a video game and you're like, oh, can I can I try it out? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One second, one second. Let me show you this real quick. Let me show you this. And he like takes the control and he just shows you something that you could easily do, but he thinks it's cool. And it's just because he wants to use the control. That's the overlord in case you guys want a uh, <laughs> insight into who he is. We also, this is something, got, whatever. We'll get to that another time. Do I still like it? As I said, I'm about to go watch it again. And does it hold up? Yes. Even though Spider-Man has been reincarnated a billion times through media, you know, they've had three different live action Spider-Mans. They've had a Japanese Spider-Man, which was amazing. Leopardon, big robot. Cut that out, Brian. <laughs> Cut that out, Brian. Cut that out. Leopardon, the big robot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just realized. Not mean to be offensive. I just actually love his accent. Um, but anyway, so they had... Um, you know, the, the Japanese Spider-Man, they've had Ultimate Spider-Man, the cartoon, which I loved, which was canceled. They had Spectacular Spider-Man. I know they're working on it. They actually had a Spider-Man Unlimited follow-up series that came on Fox Kids afterwards. It didn't last as long. I think it was only one or two seasons. Um, but it was about Spider-Man going to a parallel dimension after being rocketed into space. It didn't. The quality was not nearly as good as this one. Uh, I believe some of the same writing team was there, but it just it didn't connect with audiences. The MTV even had a limited edition Spider-Man as well that I have on DVD. What was It was done in cell animation, so it looked like it was hand-drawn, but it also looked CGI. It wasn't the best quality series, but I remember they had a very cool uh, soundtrack. Oh, speaking of, so pivot again. The soundtrack to the cartoon was actually performed by Aerosmith's guitarist, Joe Perry. So, I mean, that explains why that soundtrack, and if you listen to the, song, the theme song, it's incredible. It's up there with X-Men in terms of just, you know, sheer like man when those riffs hit you're like okay i know exactly what this is from but also i can dig this on its own but yeah so the theme song to the mtv one was just as good and the storyline was cool because like you know harry and peter and mary J were they were like 20 something they were in college but their designs were updated to look like 2000s hip so you know they had like you know skinny jeans and you know, whatever so it was a product of its time so i loved it but it didn't really do that well but the point is Spider-Man, does it hold up? Of course he does. He's going to always hold up. He's up there with Batman and, I mean, now Iron Man as one of those, like, legacy characters where you can, or even, you know, Superman to an extent, you can reboot them over and over again. And yeah, you might get some pushback initially, like, whoa, 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 a new one? But at the end of the day, it just continues to grow the character's popularity as each new generation, you know, discovers it. My son loves Spider-Man. Half his clothes are Spider-Man. So, you know, to go from my father loving Spider-Man to me loving Spider-Man to him loving Spider-Man to the overlord loving Spider-Man, and I'm sure his kids will eventually love Spider-Man, means this dude will hold up way long after we're gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been the Nefarious Mike A. Sims. You've been fantastic. And I will see you on the flip side of humanity. Humanity.